At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the sports betting network. And it's our number two of the Greg Peterson Experience. Live here from Circa, it is myself, Greg Peterson. Seems as though all the action for Friday night is wrapped up. If you're out here on the West Coast, you've got one hour left of your Friday. If you're any other time zone, well, welcome to Saturday if you're out there in Hawaii as well. I guess it's still Friday for you as well, but we've got a lot that is going to be coming up these next two hours. Going to be talking a little bit of NFL here in this hour. And then Matt Humans at 11.30 p.m. Pacific time. If you're out there on the East Coast, that'd be 2.30 a.m. He's going to be joining me. We're going to be taking a look at a little bit of college football, give you a little bit of a taste. And then once it turns midnight for everyone in the continental 48 states, so that means that starting at midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern, we are just going to be going all college football from there. Going to give you guys a little bit of baseball in the final segment of that as well. Give you guys a couple picks there, but we're going to be having a lot of fun taking a look at this. And my producer, Wyatt, and shout out to him. Shout out to Nick. Shout out to Brad. All of you guys are doing absolutely incredible work back there. He wound up mentioning this to me, the fact that you've got the highest scoring team in the in week four of the NFL being the Buffalo Bills. These are odds via DraftKings, just the team that is going to be scoring the most points for Sunday. And it is very intriguing what we've got for the Buffalo Bills at plus 450 because they are the short shot on the board. And they were listed at 14 to one last week. They wound up just taking it to Washington football team, being able to score 43 points. You had quite a few nice outbursts when it came to the NFL. And with the Buffalo Bills, they are going to be taking on a Houston Texans team that, well, shall we say they aren't necessarily great. They haven't been able to get a win, but that was against another team that is, shall we say, downtrodden in the Jacksonville Jaguars. As the Jaguars, I certainly don't think that they're going to be going on 17, but I think that it's going to be a long year for they. I think it's going to be a long year for their rookie quarterback. And you do take a look at rookie quarterbacks. They went 0-5 straight up, 0-5 against the spread last weekend. What I think is going to be able to help out the Buffalo Bills cause if they are looking to be the highest scoring team this week is that you might wind up getting a couple points out of the defense as well as you've got a Houston Texans team that they are one of those bunches that they wound up starting a rookie quarterback last week. You've got Tyrod Taylor, who is currently out due to injury. So Davis Mills now gets a start. Obviously, you've got the Sean Watson situation that is just, shall we say, not good across the board. And just take a look at the Texans team. I think that they're going to need to air it out quite a bit. Mark Ingram is now the man in charge as the running back of this team, and he just hasn't been able to get anything generated. He's only averaging right around 3.2 yards per carry. A rookie quarterback's best friend is being able to get a little bit of something going in the ground game. As we know, Mark Ingram, quite a bit of tread on those tires. And for Davis Mills, this is someone that you take a look at his first few weeks, and he didn't necessarily look terrible against the Carolina Panthers. He was able to throw for a buck 68. He was able to give you a touchdown, no interceptions was able to do a solid job of not turning the ball over. But what he also did was take four sacks, and he also was a little bit of a dink and dunker. And I don't think that that's necessarily going to be able to work in this spot with the Buffalo Bills. What I like for the team as well is the fact that 
You've got a Buffalo Bills team in which they're just much better on defense this year than they were last year because with the Bills, they were solid on defense by the same time. They did not have a single player last year that had more than five sacks for you. You've noticed Greg Russo has been able to get off to a very nice start so far this year. He's already got a pair of sacks. He's really been a wrecker of offenses as he wanted coming in as a first-round pick out of Miami. Already has a pair of sacks. Star Latule does a good job of being able to clog things up in the middle. And then I do like the fact that you've got AJ Klein who's able to do a wide variety of things for the team as I believe that he was actually the player that wound up leading the team in sacks last season. But you take a look at this Buffalo secondary in general. I do think that there's a good chance that you could wind up seeing a pick six with this team. You obviously have seen Josh Allen the way that he's been able to emerge. I do think that it's going to be interesting to see if Zach Moss gets a little bit more run. Devin Singletary has been very solid for this Buffalo Bills team. So you've got a pair of running backs that are certainly able to help out with regards to Josh Allen and everything that he's looking to do. Emmanuel Sanders, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, all these guys are relatively rock solid. Now with the Houston Texans, I don't think that this defense is necessarily terrible. Now, I'm not going to go out there and say that this defense is necessarily going to be just wrecking shop or anything like that, but 24 points or fewer allowed in two out of their first three games. Now, that is against the Jaguars, obviously a solid team in the Browns and the Carolina Panthers, but I do think that you can have a little bit of value on the board. And when you wind up taking a look at some of these props, like team that scored the most points, team that scored the fewest points, you've obviously got to be taking a look at the personnel that you have on the team that you're betting on, but you've also got to be taking a look at the other side. When you take a look at the most amount of points, you want both a offense that is able to give you quite a bit, like, yeah, Buffalo Bills obviously fit into that category, but you also want to be going up against some of these defenses that, Shall we say are not good? The reason why the Bills were a little bit of a surprise last week is because you had them going up against a Washington football team that with Washington football team, well, the offense is leaving a whole heck of a lot to be desired, but at the same time, defense for them over the last two years has been able to do a relatively solid job. If you're looking for a defense that has not been doing such a great job, that'd be the Chicago Bears, but the problem is they're going to be playing against the Detroit Lions this week. Not really a whole heck of a lot of value with the Detroit Lions and with the Chicago Bears. The reason why I do feel like there might be a little bit of value when it comes to when it comes to just being able to score a lot of points on them in general is that if you take a look at Justin Fields, he was absolutely terrible in week one. And I do think that there can be a lot of pick sixes to be ahead with him as well. As we know with the Bears, they do a solid job when it comes to their front seven with Khalil Mack and company being able to lead that. But it's really difficult when you wind up giving your defense a very short field to go. So there's not really anything when it comes to Lions versus Bears, even though you've got a pair of teams that they're just all out of sorts. But you take a look at the Tennessee Titans. There probably was going to be a little bit of value on them going up against the Jets. But when it comes to the Tennessee Titans, they're going to be without a couple pieces on Sunday, which really takes them out of the equation. They were at 16-1. to now it's just one of those cases in which it's going to be a complete and utter stay as they wind up going up against the New York Jets with not having a lot of their top players. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones are going to be out full, which means that Nick Webster, a guinea, is going to be getting some looks. Josh Reynolds as well. Not just Rodgers is someone that I do think is a little bit underrated, but Ryan Tannehill certainly going to be looking at a little bit of a downer when it comes to guys that he's going to be looking at. Now, the good news is this is a team that is very much based on the ground game. Derrick Henry should be seeing a whole lot of touches here on Sunday. And I don't know if I necessarily subscribe to the people that are saying, don't take the Tennessee Titans when it comes to Survivor. Don't bet on them when it comes to being able to cover the spread or anything like that. Because 
We've seen the Detroit. We've seen the New York Jets. The Jets are just not good in general. So I still think that there is some value here on the Titans when it comes to a wide variety of those different things. But if you're looking specifically for the team to score the most points this week, I do think that you've got some intriguing options. And one of those options might involve a little bit more of a marquee team in the Kansas City Chiefs. You've got to figure that the Chiefs are going to be very angry as they have now come out one and two. And they've been scoring quite a few points, 24 plus points in all three weeks. So it hasn't necessarily been the offense's fault. I know that there were some people that were a little bit critical of the play that you wound up seeing from Patrick Mahomes over the last week. But I mean, Patrick Mahomes is still averaging over 300 yards per game. You know what you're able to get out of him. Nine touchdowns to three touch to three interceptions so far this year. You've got a Chiefs team that is laying seven with a total of 54. And you take a look at this Philadelphia Phillies defense or this Philadelphia Eagles defense. I always get my baseball and my football mixed up. But you take a look at the Eagles and it just has not been going well for them in general. They wind up last week running into the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys were able to completely tear them apart. You've just got a secondary that in general, without Josiah Scott, has really been really struggling. And then with the Chiefs, you've obviously got Travis Kelsey, who's able to find space. He's able to do a whole heck of a lot. And then you've got the guys on the outside that they're able to tear the cover off of defense. You've got even someone like Ed Edwards E. Lair, who I think is going to be able to get some touches. I think that he's going to be able to do some nice things when it comes to this Chiefs team. And then you take a look at the Eagles and got a guy in Jalen Hurts that he's trying to find his way when it comes to just being a quarterback in the league in general. But I do feel like he might be prone to a couple of turnovers. You've got a Kansas City Chiefs defense that I think is going to be able to do a good job against them. You take a look at Hurts and what he's done the first couple weeks of the season and he was able to do a good job of staying turnover free in the first two weeks against the Cowboys. When the team was down, he wound up throwing a pair of interceptions and I think that that is something that you do need to be taking note of because I do think that this Chiefs secondary, though it's not great, they are going to probably be able to generate one, maybe even two turnovers in this game because this is an Eagles team in which got a couple of weapons around Hurts, but at the same time, I'm not necessarily bullish on them. And then you just take a look at what you've got in the secondary, and I think that they're going to be letting up a whole bunch of points to the Kansas City Chiefs. So them at 6-1, it's certainly something that I would be entertaining when it comes to highest scoring team that you're going to be seeing in week four. And keep in mind that these, when it comes to DraftKings, they're only for Sunday. So if you're looking to take the Monday night football game, you're unlikely going to be able to get that. And obviously the Jaguars and the Cincinnati Bengals already want to playing. So that is not going to be in the fold as well. And if you want to seeing the lowest slash, the highest slash lowest scoring teams be either of those with a 27 to 24 game, then you would certainly have a big time anomaly, but it is going to be fascinating to see what we wind up getting out of so many of these week four games, because you do feel like teams are getting a little bit more settled in. You've got a team in the green Bay Packers that I think that they've got a good shot to be able to put up some points against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And with the Steelers, it's going to be very intriguing to see what we get out of them because you've got a guy in Ben Roethlisberger who he just has been throwing a little bit too much in general. You figured that they would be able to take a little bit more pressure off of them with drafting in the first round, Najee Harris. Harris so far this year has only been able to generate right around three yards per carry, and that has made the Steelers very one-dimensional. So you could see a lot of three and outs with them. You could wind up seeing Ben Roethlisberger just because he is having to pass so much, throw a couple of interceptions. This is a Packer secondary that I think 
goes a little bit under the radar as well. So might be a little bit of a look there. And we're talking about highest scoring teams in the NFL for this upcoming week. How about if we look at the flip side coming up next and take a look at some of these teams that they might not score a lot of points. You've got a lot of rookie quarterbacks out there that have been struggling. So we're going to be taking a look at those next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on the Vegas Sets and Information Network, the Sports Betting Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN's Point Spread Weekly is out now, and this edition we feature the fact that you've got Tom Brady going back to New England to face off with Bill Belichick and company over there at New England. That's going to be a big one. Matt Humans is going to be focusing on Lane Kiffin's showdown with Nick Saban. Brady Cannon evaluates the week four contest plays. And Adam Burke breaks down situational spots that have maximum value. These stories and so much more are in this week's edition of Point Spread Weekly. Download it today or go to vcin.com slash subscribe for more information. That is vsin.com slash subscribe as you're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Peterson. And ironically enough, one of those gentlemen, Matt Humans, he's going to be coming up here in about 15 or so minutes. We are going to be taking a look at the college football betting card that we're going to be having for this wonderful Saturday. So that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Going to need to probably ask him a little bit more about that article and something else that we've got to ask about when it comes to NFL Week 4. What are we going to be seeing out of so many of these teams? I wound up in the last segment going through some of the teams that I think have a shot to be able to give you a whole bunch of points. How about the teams to be able to score the fewest amount of points? DraftKings does this where you're able to take a shot on the teams that you think are going to score the most or the least points for a given weekend. Right now, some of the dregs are some of the ones that you'd expect. The Houston Texans are at plus 450. The short shot wound up cashing last week as the New York Jets going up against the Denver Broncos were plus 350. They did not wind up scoring a single point. And when you wind up not scoring a single point, the worst that you can do is wind up pushing this one. I personally thought that there was a little bit of value on the Chicago Bears. And, well, they didn't have a great week, but they didn't get completely shut out. They're at 20 to 1 this week. You've got the New York Giants, they're currently at plus 650. You've got the Jets back up there at plus 850 this week. The fact that their matchup is now against the Tennessee Titans, that does help them out a little bit. They're also at home as well. But you take a look at the Steelers at 10 to 1 against the Packers. Certainly you don't see a lot of value there. The Lions at 10 to 1, I think that people are always just a little bit too low on Jared Goff. I don't necessarily see it there, especially if you wind up getting a pick six or two out of Mr. Justin Fields. So, you got that going on. And with the Bears in general, I mean, that quarterback situation is just a big, giant calamity at this point. But you've also got the Colts at 13 to 1, the Patriots at 14 to 1. And when I take a look at this one, I do think that there is some value with the short shot once again this week in the Houston Texans. I probably would be wanting to get a little bit more than plus 450. You take a look at it with rookie quarterbacks, they've just all struggled. I mentioned with Justin Fields, he's not the only one. You take a look at what's happening with Jacksonville. Obviously, they are not a team that you're able to bet on with this one because the Jacksonville Jaguars wound up playing on Thursday night, but it's been a rough year for Trevor Lawrence trying to get acclimated. You've got Davis Mills, who's going to be under center for the Texans. That is not a place where you want to be, and that's about as politely as I can put it. And having to go up against a Buffalo Bills team that is very rock solid, I do think is a bad spot. But I mean, once again, with the New York Jets, 
I recognize that the Titans defense, not great. No question about it. But you've got a Jets team in which you just take a look at the offense and what do they have going for them at this point? I mean, you've got a rookie quarterback that is throwing interceptions left, right, and sideways. You've got a team that really doesn't have a whole lot when it comes to the ground game as well. I mean, Braxton Berrios has given you 14 receptions in three weeks, and that's about all the good that I could say about this offense. Their line is just not holding up at the point of attack. You've got a guy, Michael Carter, who has been averaging right around three and a half yards per carry now. They wound up being without Tevin Coleman last week. It was due to illness. It was not a COVID-19 illness. It looks like they're going to be able to get him back. But, I mean, if you're really thinking that, oh, Tevin Coleman is going to be giving a big, giant boost to this Jets team, well, I'm here to say not so fast. And this is a Titans unit on defense that I recognize that it was not great during the 2020 season, but I do feel like they've done a good job of being able to address a lot of the holes that they wound up having last season. And you wound up seeing that against the Colts, who I recognize, once again, not necessarily the world's greatest offense. They were able to do a better job of being able to hold up there. You've got a Titans team, which the secondary is a little bit lax, to say the least. But even someone like Jeffrey Simmons up front, I feel like has been able to do a solid job with this team. You've got Rashawn Evans, who I do think is a little bit of above average linebacker. They've been dealing with an injury to Bud Dupree, and no question that hurts them. And if you take a look at a lot of the guys that are that are sort of towards that second, third string. They have been banged up. And you do want to note that Caleb Fairley is someone that is also going to be out for the Titans. So that's not necessarily a big loss, but it is a little bit of something. But I mean, it's one of these cases in which, which is worse, the Titans defense or the Jets offense. And I feel unequivocally that it is certainly the Jets offense. So I think that's going to be a little bit rough for them. When you're taking a look at team that scored the fewest points, you always want to be going with, or at the very least, you want to be looking at the lowest totals on the board when it comes to this weekend. The lowest totals are between the Detroit Lions and also the Chicago Bears. That's one of them. I really don't think that there's a lot of value in either of those teams just because I don't think that the Lions are good enough to hold down whoever the Chicago Bears wind up throwing out there at quarterback down to like seven points or fear because you've got to figure that the team that winds up scoring the fewest amount of points, they're probably going to score one touchdown. I don't think that we're going to see another shutout like we wound up seeing with the Jets getting just completely shut down by the Broncos last week. But I do think that seven, maybe 10 is going to be enough to be able to do it in this one. And the other game is the New York Giants against the New Orleans Saints. The Saints all of a sudden have become a defensive team. We all remember them from their days with Drew Brees and all that he was able to do. Gone are those days. Now you've got Jameis Winston who he wound up having a really sucky week too, but the other two weeks have been pretty darn solid for him. And then you take a look at this Giants team and I just have not been a believer in Danny Dimes to start with. And Danny Dimes, well, he hasn't been throwing too many dimes so far this season, so it has been a little bit rough there. You take a look at the run game. Saquon Barkley has not necessarily been able to get it going so far this year. He's been on a little bit of a pitch count because he's been dealing with injuries. He's only averaging about three and a half yards per carry, and this is the danger that you always fall in with teams that wind up drafting running backs very early because running backs, in my opinion, a little bit of a dime a dozen. You need them to be really special or else it just doesn't work out. And you can tell that Saquon Barkley maybe was thrown out there while he wasn't necessarily 100%. And if you're getting like an 80, 85% running back like a Saquon Barkley who has great speed, but isn't necessarily a guy that is going to be breaking tackles like Derrick Henry, that could be a little bit of an issue for you. And then you do take a look at the Giants. I guess you could call them to go guys and Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard. They're solid weapons, but you need someone to get them the ball. And you take a look at Danny Dimes and he hasn't necessarily been able to do so. He's been doing a lot of checkdowns thus far. Hasn't thrown an interception. 
I think that that is soon coming. You've got a Saints team that they're very solid all around on defense, in my opinion. They do have maybe a little bit of a hole in the secondary, but by and large, I still think that that's very solid. Their front seven is good, and you've got a Saints team that they aren't a team that anymore is going to be looking to just run it and gun it down the field. They're a team that they're looking to go a little bit more methodical. I give a lot of credit to Sean Payton and the way that he's been able to curtail this offense to be able to be very solid with Jameis Winston, doing a little bit more checking down, doing a little bit more dinking and dunking, because even if you take a look at his week one performance against the Green Bay Packers, it's not like he was just taking shots for all humanity. He wound up having one or two very long plays, but the rest of it was just a bunch of short passes, just being able to move the chains, be able to get five yards on first down, four to five yards on second down. And if you don't wind up getting the second, the first down on second down, you put yourself in like third and one, third and two, very manageable situations. And he's been able to do a great job there. So I do take a look at this game. And I do think that the Giants do have tremendous value as to being one of the lowest scoring teams when it comes to the NFL this week. So that is somewhere that I'm going to be taking a look at. And when it comes to these lowest scoring teams, what they don't have a lot of typically is very solid wide receivers as something else I love that DraftKings does is that they always put out their props for guys to have the most rushing yards, most passing yards, receiving yards in general. And when you take a look at a lot of these wide receivers, the fact that A.J. Brown is going to be out the full for the Tennessee Titans does shake things up a little bit because at DraftKings, he was listed as 16-1 to 1 as being the guy with the most receiving yards this week in the NFL. The short shot is Devontae Adams at plus 850. You've got a Packers team that got to figure that they're going to be featuring him quite a bit because you haven't necessarily been able to get a lot out of Packers wide receivers not named Adams. Now, you wind up having Veldes Scanley give you a little bit of something in that game against the San Francisco 49ers, but certainly this is a Packers team that they feature Adams very heavily. You've got Cooper Cup along with you along with Tyree Kill, who are both at 10-1 to 1 when it comes to the Chiefs and the Rams, respectively, two offenses that have certainly been able to get it going, but I always just look to DeAndre Hopkins and where he is on the board. At 18-1, to I do think that you're getting very good value because I think that he's honestly just the best wide receiver in football in general. This is an Arizona team that they're able to do a little bit of a better job of being able to feature the run, but at the same time, they are going up against a Rams team that I think that the Rams are going to be able to have themselves a very nice day. Now, the problem that you do have with New Hopkins at the same time is the fact that the Rams also do have one of the best defenses in all the NFL. I do think that they're going to be able to do a good job of being able to create a little bit of havoc when it comes to Kyler Murray, but I do think that if the Cardinals are going to be able to win this game. I do think that it is going to have to be on the arm of Kyler Murray. I think that he's going to need to scramble out a couple times, and his scrambles are going to be able to set up the pass. You do have a little bit of something to be had when it comes to the secondary as well. I do feel like Jalen Ramsey is terrific at the right corner spot, but at the same time, you do have a little bit of something when it comes to safeties that can be exploited. So I would say at 18 to 1, New Hopkins is going to be able to give you a little bit of value. And we've got to find some value when it comes to college football. Who better to call in than Matt Humans? He is the host of The Edge, the opening line show as well. And he's going to be joining me next right here on VSIM, the Sports Betting Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Uh, 
part morning line writer David Argona of Times Forum US previews tomorrow's Woodward Stakes. We've also got Starlight Racing's Jack Wolf talking about the horses he has racing during the opening weekend of Santa Anita and Racing Post. Scott Burton looks at Sunday's running of Europe's richest race, since Vinnie Malula also handicaps this weekend's races. And to be able to get the Ron Flatter Racing Podcast, you're able to get it wherever you get podcasts. You can download it at vcin.com. Go to iHeart, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get it. And the Ron Flatter and the Ron Flatter Racing Pod is sponsored by First Bet. As we are back here in Circa, more specifically, but right here on the Greg Peterson Experience. And joining me right now on the experience, our first guest, Matt Humans, does a terrific job as he hosts the Edge right here on this fine network every Monday through Friday. I know that he also does the opening line show as well. That's always a good one. Every Sunday, just see where everything is shaking, shaping up for the upcoming weekend. You also do a great job with Point Spread Weekly and apparently picking futures out there in the National League East as you wound up having the Atlanta Braves. Matt, great to have you aboard. Thank you. Hey, I'm fired up to be on the Greg Peterson experience. Congrats on the show, man, and uh, well-deserved. And uh, what could be any better? The McRib comes back one month from today, November 1st, and college basketball is right around the corner, Hoops. Oh, absolutely. I'm fired up for it. On the experience in future weeks, the good folks are going to be hearing about college basketball teams in which they have probably never heard of before, but are going to be able to make them some money. And I know you're <laughs> trying to help the good people make some money as in Point Spread Weekly, you on writing about the big one that's going to be going down in college football this week. Ole Miss versus Alabama. Highest total that we've ever seen for an SEC conference game, right around 79.5 to 80-ish as we sit here right now. And Alabama, a little bit north of a two-touchdown favorite between 14.5 and, and 15. How do you wind up seeing this game going down? Because it is very, very strange to see an SEC game with a total this high. And as we know, Nick Saban has owned his former assistants, guys that have helped him out, but I feel like this one might be a little bit different. Yeah, I hope it's different. I bet Ole Miss plus 15, and I was surprised that Matt Metcalf at Circa, who's very sharp uh, college football odds maker, he posted this number at 20 on uh, Sunday morning. He opened 20, it was dropped to 16 and a half. You know, it's settling in at 14 and a half or 15. Talking about the high total when these teams met last year in Oxford, the score was tied at 42 early in the fourth quarter. Uh, the tight busted loose when they came 63-48. They were favored by 23 last year. Oops, that game. Total 1,370 yards with only one turnover, and it was a fumble by Alabama. Matt Corral passed for 365 yards and two TDs. That was better Alabama defense than what they had this year. And I think the air of invincibility around Alabama was stripped a little bit in that two-point win out for a couple weeks ago. I, I really believe that Corral and the Rebels uh, can put a scare into the tide in this game. I'm a little bit concerned about all the – I think we'll just show up for the underdog this week. It typically does not happen in the Alabama games, but this is an Ole Miss team. It's played a decent schedule, scoring 52.7 points a game. And uh, I do think the, the winner of this game, the quarterback who wins it, is going to be the Heisman winner. Uh, but I, I, I think the uh, Rebels can keep this uh, fourth quarter like they did last year and uh, maybe have a shot. In the SEC, I thought we were really on the rise, maybe a little bit under the radar. Ole Miss and Arkansas, and uh, we've seen those teams uh, really play well here in the third month. I agree with you, and when it comes to the fact that Nick Saban has been able to dominate his former assistants, 
feel like Lane Kiffin is just a little bit different because I feel like while Lane Kiffin, no doubt, wound up benefiting from the fact that he was under the tutelage of Nick Saban for all those years, I feel like Saban also benefited from Lane Kiffin because without bringing in Kiffin, who knows if the offense will be where it is right now. It really led to Alabama becoming a little bit more of a pass-happy team, being able to bring into the NFL guys like Jalen Hurts and company. I feel like both have mutually benefited from each other, and that's what makes Lane Kiffin just a little bit different than a lot of his former assistants. You're correct uh, about that because tight offense has evolved since uh, Lane Kiffin got there. It's uh, it's totally different uh, program. I mean, it's still the the number one elite program by far, but offensively, the Alabama program has evolved since uh, Kiffin was there. I think the Ole Miss defense is a lot better than it was a year ago. And uh, if you think about all the playmakers, Devontae Smith, Nadia Harris, Matt Jones, all the guys who were key on that Alabama offense a year ago are not there now. Uh, that's why I think Alabama uh, might be vulnerable, and if uh, Lane Kevin's going to catch Saban, this might be the time. But anyway, keep it within two touchdowns, and I'll be happy since I took the 15. Yep, I agree with you. I do think that Ole Miss has a chance to be able to cover this game, stay in there midway through the fourth quarter within seven points, and then you wind up being able to get that cover. And another game that really intrigues me that we're going to be having on this Saturday, Texas Tech going on the road against West Virginia. We saw a lot of seven and a half. West Virginia earlier in the week. This has been back down to seven, and I do agree with the move. I think that when you were getting the hook, you were getting tremendous value. If I had played at seven, I still would be taking a look at Texas Tech, but I take a look at this Red Raiders punch. They aren't typically known for defense, but at the same time, I also take a look at West Virginia, and I do think that the offense is going to be able to do a relatively okay job, but Tech defense has been a little bit better. I just still go back to the fact that we wanted to see West Virginia have their struggles a few weeks ago, and I think that there's some good value here on the seven with the Raiders. Yeah, I've, uh, I've got action on about 14 games tomorrow. That's one of the games I did not bet. You just brought up there, but Neil Brown's doing a great job with the West Virginia program. Saw last week, Mountaineers put a little scare into the Sooners, and that game out of Oklahoma did a nice job holding down Spencer Rattler in that offense. I, I just I didn't play this because Tech last week defense was just completely embarrassed. Gave up seventy points in that loss to Texas. Uh, I thought uh, I thought would make a much better showing than that against the Longhorns a week ago. Uh, but this is I pass on this game. I don't I don't blame you there, especially with it now being seven instead of seven and a half. But here's one that I don't think that you want a passing on. How about the Notre Dame versus Cincinnati game? We are finding Notre Dame as a little bit of an underdog right now, right around one and a half to two points. And I know that Brad Powers wound up tweeting this out. The last five times that Notre Dame has been an underdog at home, they have won outright all five times. I don't know if you wound up having action on this one, but I mean, we've seen Notre Dame as an underdog really come through under, under this current regime. And I think that mm-hmm. this could be another spot in which Notre Dame winds up getting it done again. Yeah, the Irish have been golden as home dogs. Talked about that today on the show. And Brian Kelly was a coach for all five of those straight-up dog wins. Uh, you know, I was on Notre Dame a week ago. I did not understand why the Irish were getting six-and-a-half against Graham Mertz in Wisconsin on the neutral field. I think the betting market underrated Notre Dame last week, and I think the might, same might be happening here. I'm a little bit torn on this game because I'd like to see Cincinnati win it. I think we all want to see the little guy make a run and crash the college football playoff party. I, w- I would like to see the Bearcats run the table and get in that four-team playoff. But at, at the same time, a couple weeks ago against Indiana, uh, Bearcats got off to a slow start, 
Uh, they got outgained in that game. They did beat Indiana, which they had to do, but they were outgained 376 to 328 and didn't really look that sharp. They took advantage of Indiana quarterback Michael Penix and his sloppy play. And uh, even though this Notre Dame team's not getting a lot of respect in the betting market, I think the Irish played a tougher schedule here. They, improved, they appear to be improving on the defensive side. And I think they have more playmakers, maybe a little bit more offensive power, firepower here going straight up against the Bearcats. You put the Irish, I, my power ratings made, made the Irish one, one and a half point favorites right there in that area. Uh, you make them home dogs, I decided to take a shot with Notre Dame here because um, I, I just uh, thought Cincinnati was not that sharp against Indiana a couple weeks ago. And I, I think some betters, it might be wishful thinking. They just want to see Cincinnati beat Notre Dame. I'm not sure Cincinnati should be favored. I'm right there with you, especially with Notre Dame playing at home in front of their faithful. And I tell you right now, my sister is a graduate of the University of Wisconsin. I was born and raised in Wisconsin. I knew that that was a letdown spot for the Badgers. And Matt, we've got about a minute left. I know you've got mm-hmm. quite a few bets for this college football Saturday. What's another one or two that you really like that are that's going to be coming down for this big Saturday? All right, Hoops, I played your Wisconsin Badgers. You're going to have to get right. up early in the morning. Knowing, knowing you, you might not sleep at all. <laughs> uh, the game starts at 9 a.m. out of here. Wisconsin's blown out Michigan 49-11, 35-14 the last two times. I think the defense and the running game get it done for the Badgers in Madison. Uh, so I played Wisconsin, actually, a plus one and minus one this week. And I'll uh, just give you a quick roundup. I also took 19 with Arkansas and uh, eight with Stanford. I laid one and a half with Oregon State. Uh, I've got so much action tomorrow, uh, hoops to kind of make your head spin. I know we're out of time, uh, so we can't get to them all. But uh, let's hope we get some winners tomorrow in college football. Absolutely. And my favorite days are college football Saturdays and college basketball Saturdays because you've just got unlimited action. You've got so many schools on display. And Matt is going to be talking about this and so much more throughout the week on The Edge. Also does a great job with the opening line show, which you're going to be able to hear on Sunday as well. He does a great job with all of that. Does some great work with Point Spread Weekly. And it's always great to get you aboard, Matt. Thank you so much for joining me. You bet, Greg. Always good to have Matt Humans on the program. He does absolutely tremendous work. And it's time for us to do a little bit of tremendous work for you guys as well. We've got to dive into a little bit more of what is going to be a packed NFL Sunday. And we're going to do that on the other side right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Make this football season your best sports betting season ever. Start your VSIN free trial today to get full access to our sports betting experts, including 24 7 video streaming, daily best bets emails, betting splits with the money and ticket percentages on every single game. Plus, full access to vcin.com data and analysis. You get everything vcin has to offer for just $22 a month. So sign up now today at vcin.com slash subscribe as you're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Peterson, coming at you from Circa out here in lovely Las Vegas. And what else is lovely? The fact that we've got a college football Saturday awaiting us. Great to be able to get the insights of Matt Humans coming up for this big Saturday. Technically, if you're out here on the West Coast, we've got about 14 minutes until Saturday. And once the clock strikes Saturday out here on the West Coast, going to be going very hard and heavy when it comes to the betting board 
for college football. And in the final segment as well, towards about an hour or so from now, going to be giving out a couple baseball picks as well because we've got two days left of the MLB season, but we've also got some futures to talk about as we've got some very intriguing storylines that have been forming college football, no doubt. The SEC has been very rock solid. We have seen a lot of teams from the Big Ten be very intriguing as well. You wound up seeing Iowa be able to continue their good season. They wind up taking down Maryland, and they were able to get the over. They were able to get the cover. They just got a little bit of everything. But you take a look at some of these odds from BetMGM on some of these season specials when it comes to teams to be able to do a whole heck of a lot of something. What I think is going to be very intriguing is how some of these wind up playing out as you've got Michigan to beat Penn State, Wisconsin, and Michigan State at 10-1, to 1, so they need to win all three of those games. Penn State to knock off an Iowa team that we saw look very impressive against Maryland, Ohio, and those aforementioned Terrapins at plus 400. These were obviously before the games that were played tonight. Notre Dame to knock off Cincinnati, USC, and North Carolina is plus 300. And you've got Alabama to knock off Texas A&M, LSU, and Auburn at minus 200. And this is another one of these cases when you wind up seeing a lot of these specials that a lot of these books wind up putting out there, like a BetMGM and a DraftKings. And all I can do is sit, sort of sit here and think to myself, I think the rollover mentality that I wound up giving out in the last hour when it comes to MLB futures might be a little bit more of a value here because you take a look at Michigan. They are currently right around a two-point underdog to be able to knock off Wisconsin. If you're taking a look at the money line, they are going to be able to get on Michigan when it comes to their game against Wisconsin. That's going to be coming up Saturday morning. You're finding them at a lot of places right around a plus 110. I think that you've got a plus 115 here at Circa on Michigan, but by and large, you're finding right around a plus 110. And I would just think that if you wound up betting Michigan on the money line in this game and you just kept rolling over in the games in which our feature, you'd be able to get a little bit of a better payout. Plus, if you wind up doing it individually as well, as we know, books have more liability in some places rather than others. You're able to get a little bit more bang for your buck. You're able to shop the line. I think that's the way that I would be playing so many of these because I know that many of you guys have been asking me about baseball futures. I wound up just saying the exact same thing. If you like the St. Louis Cardinals to be able to win the World Series rather than take a 21 to sh- 20 to 1 shot, on them at DraftKings, something like this, because that's where the number has really been settling in at. Why not just take them on the money line against the LA Dodgers and keep rolling it over? Worst thing that winds up happening is that you wind up seeing an injury that winds up happening with the St. Louis Cardinals. And in this case as well, you've got the added protection because if you wind up taking like an odds to win the World Series, odds to knock off these three teams, what have you, you're locked in on that. You can certainly hedge out, but at the same time, You're not able to just walk away from your winnings. You have to place another bet in order to balance yourself out if you wind up having that just bad injury that winds up happening, or if you just don't like the matchup in general, which I think that that's really the way that you should be going when it comes to a lot of these futures. It's something that I always recommend when it comes to the NCAA tournament because that is the ultimate one-game tournament because when it comes to so many of these series and the MLB, NBA, what have you, you don't have just a one-and-done format like you do when it comes to college basketball, the closest thing that you're going to come to is football, whether that be college football to be able to win the Super Bowl or or when it comes to winning the college football playoff. But I take a look at a lot of these, and heck, even Alabama to knock off LSU, Auburn, and Texas A&M. I think that a lot of that is going to be dictated based on how those teams wind up playing in future weeks. But I would think that even if you just keep on rolling over that one unit, you'd probably be able to get a little bit of better value 
And at the same time, you do take a look at those three teams with Auburn, Texas A&M, and LSU. And I've got to think that one of those teams is going to be able to give you something solid. Texas A&M maybe dealing with a couple of injuries if they wind up coming back and they wind up looking very solid in these next few weeks. I do think that there could be a little bit more value if you wind up just holding off on that rather than firing it right away. And with Notre Dame as well, they are going to be a team in which they're already a home underdog against Cincinnati. So if you wind up betting one unit on Notre Dame to be able to knock off Cincinnati, USC, and North Carolina at these odds, you'd be turning your $100 into $300. You take a look at Notre Dame and where they stand right now as a very, very slight underdog against Cincinnati. Well, if you wind up taking the money line just right now, you're going to be getting between even money and plus 105. So if you wind up starting out with that $100 that I was mentioning a little bit earlier, your $100 then winds up turning into $200, and then you just keep rolling that over against their USC game and their game against North Carolina. I've got to think that they're not going to be on the money line north of $3 favorites in both of those games. You've got to think that you're probably going to be getting what, maybe like a little bit more of a touchdown-ish spread in both of those games, maybe a tad bit more, maybe a tad bit less, but I think that you'd be coming out better than plus $3 when it's all said and done if you just keep rolling it over. So that's the way that I take a look at a lot of these. So when it comes to futures, I think that that's really a big way to go about it. Now, when it comes to odds win the Cy Young, when it comes to odds win the Heisman Trophy, what have you, you're not going to have necessarily that sort of value because even if you think that, a guy is very solid betting on a game-by-game basis. Well, that's different than betting on an individual award. So even if you wind up having someone like a Mr. Corral over there at Ole Miss to be able to win the Heisman Trophy, it's not like his hopes are completely shattered if they wind up losing to Alabama, especially if Ole Miss winds up having him go out for a big game. He winds up throwing for 400 yards, four touchdowns, but the team winds up losing by a field goal, seven points against Alabama. Well, it's not like you need to be taking the money line there or anything like that. Heck, if even if they wind up not covering the spread, they wind up losing by 20, but Corral still winds up having a very good game. It doesn't knock him out of Heisman contention. So it's one of those things where I just think that you are so much better off when it comes to these futures, when it comes to being able to take a look at them to just keep rolling over your money rather than if you just wind up taking a futures ticket outright. It's not as impressive saying, oh, I've got these three winning tickets at like even money apiece rather than being able to throw out there a big giant ticket in which says like 8 to 1, 10 to 1, you can go up and down the list. But I do think that it's a little bit more effective for your bankroll and you wind up getting that added protection. So that's something that I'm going to be taking a look at. Something else that I'm going to be taking a look at in general is just college football and home underdogs on Saturday because we wound up seeing with home underdogs on Friday. They did not wind up coming through. And home underdogs for the college football season going into Friday night, they've been hitting at a clip of about 61%. You had three home dogs on Friday and none of them hit. Houston wound up just completely dismantling Tulsa by a count of 45 to 10. The total on this game was a real intrigue because it opened up right around 56 and a half to 57, closed at between 54 and 54 and a half. So if you wound up betting the over late, you got there. If you bet the under late, you got there as well. If you bet Tulsa at any point, well, you did not wind up getting there. And Tulsa, a little bit of a home favorite, but the underdogs, Maryland and Utah State. Utah State was catching between eight and eight and a half points against BYU. They were unable to cover that spread. BYU gets it done by a count of 34 to 20, as this is a total that wound up going harmlessly under, and you wound up seeing another massive move with this one, as well as you wound up having 
The total open up right around 57 and a half. Closes anywhere between 65 and a half and 66. And it stays under the opening total by about three and a half points. So that's one of those where it's like, man, if you wound up getting the worst of the number, it really didn't matter at this point because it just was either an under or an under. But when it comes to Iowa going on the road and smashing Maryland, was very impressed by this one because this is a Maryland team that with Tagovai Loa, I actually do feel like has become a little bit of a better offense. I liked what I saw out of Maryland first couple weeks of the season, and they just were unable to come through. This is an Iowa team that, as we know, they're known for tenacious defense. They're known for being able to run the ball, and they just had their way with Maryland in this one in every facet of football. So you got to give them a lot of credit as Patriots was able to give you three touchdowns. And it wasn't necessarily an Iowa attack that on the ground wound up running for a bunch of touchdowns or anything like that, but it was just sort of the everyone being able to step up and be able to do their part as for Iowa, they were able to do a good job of being able to force a couple turnovers as well. That really helped them out in this one. And for Maryland, you've got to feel like this is a bunch in which they're going to need to recoup a little bit after Taggy Vailoa winds up throwing five interceptions on his understudy. Throws for another one of them. So that was very intriguing out there in the Big Ten. And as we know, the Big Ten on Saturday really going to be coming to the forefront. You're going to have Michigan versus Wisconsin kicking things off. We're going to be talking about that game in the next hour. And towards the back half of the next hour as well, going to be giving out some baseball picks. So whole lots of picks, whole lots of fun coming up in the final hour of the Greg Peterson experience. Coming up next right here on Easton, the Sports Betting Network.